everyone, and welcome back to the 11th episode of Jamstam. As usual, I'm your host, Neha, and I'm super excited to be back and discussing a brand new topic with you all. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, or if you aren't very familiar with Jamstam, Jamstam is a podcast that discusses all the current events and new discoveries happening in the STEM field. Additionally, we also discuss tips and advice for aspiring STEM professionals. You can also learn more about our podcast and its goals by watching our trailer. But watch the trailer after listening to this episode, of course. So in this episode, we'll talk about invasive species and what they exactly are. I also hope to talk to you about the impact of invasive species and provide many examples of invasive species during this podcast episode. So if you're interested in learning more, please continue listening to this episode. So first of all, what exactly are invasive species? In a formal definition, invasive species is an organism that is not native to a particular area. But an important thing to know is that not all non-native species are invasive. For example, most of the food crops grown in the United States, including wheat, tomatoes, and rice, are not native to the area. So you're probably wondering, well then how do I know if it's invasive or not? To answer that question, in order to be invasive, a species must adapt to a new area easily and reproduce quickly. It must also harm property, the economy, or the native plants or animals of the region. Also, invasive species don't have to come from another country. They can also come from within your country. For example, lake trout are native to the Great Lakes, but they are still considered to be an invasive species in the Yellowstone Lake in Wyoming. This is because they compete with native fish for habitat. Many invasive species are introduced to a new region accidentally. An example of an invasive species that was brought accidentally are zebra mussels. Zebra mussels are native to Black Sea and the Central Asia, but they came to the Great Lakes of North America accidentally because they were stuck to a large ships that were traveling between the two regions. Because of that, now there are many zebra mussels in the Great Lakes and they are threatening the native species of the lake. But not all invasive species are brought accidentally. Some are introduced. This means that some species are brought to a new area on purpose. These species are often introduced as a form of pest control, but sometimes their introduced species are also brought in as pets or decorative displays. Many of the people and businesses that import these species do not expect the consequences and continue to do so. Even scientists are not always sure how a species will adapt to a new environment, but introduced species multiply too quickly and they become invasive in the end. Here is an example of an invasive species that was introduced. In 1949, five cats were brought to the Marin Island. This island is part of South Africa in the southern Indian Ocean. Anyways, the cats were introduced as a form of pest control for the mice there. And by 1977, about 3,400 cats were living on the island. These cats were endangering the local bird population there. Not only the other invasive species descended from the cats that were escaped or were released into the wild, and this continued to cause further harm to the island. One of the main reasons to why many invasive species thrive is because they outcompete native species for food. An example of this is when the big head and silver carp, which are two large species of fish, escaped from fish farms in the 1990s. These fish are now common in the Missouri River of North America. These fish feed on plankton, which are tiny organisms floating in the water. But the problem with that is because many native fish species in the Missouri River, such as the paddlefish, also 
feed on plankton. Now that there's so many carps in the lower Missouri River, the native species such as the paddlefish do not have enough food. Invasive species sometimes also thrive because there are no predators to hunt them down in the new location. And without any new predators, they just continue to reproduce and keep outcompeting the native species there for resources such as food. Many invasive species also destroy habitat, which basically means the places where other plants and animals naturally live in. An example of this are nutria, which are large rodents native to South America, but ranchers brought them to North America in the 1990s, hoping to raise them for their fur. Some nutria were released into the wild when the ranchers failed. Today they're considered to be an invasive species in the Gulf Coast regions of the United States. They eat tall grasses and these plants are vital to the region's wetlands. They also provide food, nesting areas, and shelter for many organisms. These grasses also help secure sediment and soil which prevents the erosion of the land. So in short, nutria destroys the area's food web and habitat by consuming those wetland grasses. Some invasive species, on the other hand, do great harm to the economy. An example of these kinds of invasive species is the water hyacinth, which is a plant that is native to South America. This plant, which grows in the water, has become an invasive species in many parts of the world. People often introduce this plant because of its pretty flowers. But the plant spreads quickly and they often choke out native wildlife. In Lake Victoria, Uganda, these plants grew so thickly that some boats couldn't even get through it. This was so bad that some ports were closed. Not only that, these plants prevented sunlight from reaching underwater. Due to this, plants and algae could not grow, which in turn prevented fish from feeding and reproducing. And then Lake Victoria's fishing industry declined. It's insane to see how much of an impact this invasive species had on Lake Victoria. Last but not least, invasive species can also damage property. The zebra mussels that we talked about before actually sometimes clog the cooling systems in boat engines, and they can also damage water pipes at power plants throughout the Great Lakes region. So how do we get rid of invasive species? Well, officials have used a variety of methods to try to eradicate or get rid of invasive species. Going back to cats on Marin Island that we talked about before, officials try to actually infect them with a virus, for instance. Sometimes other species are introduced to help control an invasive species. For example, in Australia, pickerly pear cactus, which is actually native to the Americas, was growing out of control. The cactus was destroying rageland, which is where the ranchers raised livestock. The government brought in cactus moth caterpillars to eat the cactus. The caterpillars are natural predators of the cactus, but an important thing to keep in mind that is that when you're introducing insects, it can also be dangerous, however. Sometimes the insects also damage other plant species and then they can become invasive species themselves. Chemicals have also been used to control invasive species, but sometimes they can harm non-invasive species and plants. Governments are also working to educate the public about invasive species. For example, in the United States, international fishing vessels are warned to wash their boats before returning home. This prevents them from accidentally transporting zebra mussels or other species from one body of water to another. Before I start to wrap up this episode, I want to inform you all on what you can do to help. The Nature Conversation listed six easy ways that you can do in order to help combat invasive species. 
First of all, make sure that all plants that you are buying for your home or garden are not invasive. You can do this by contacting your state's native plant society for a list of native plants and looking it up. Second of all, when you go boating, make sure to clean your boat thoroughly before putting it in a different body of water. Third of all, remember to clean your boots before you go hiking in a new area. Fourth of all, don't take home any animals, plants, shells, firewood, or food from different ecosystems. Fifth of all, never release pets into the wild. Sixth of all, volunteer at a local park, refugee, or other wildlife area to help remove invasive species. Many parks also have many native species restoration programs, so look into them also. Well, that's all for today and I'm going to start wrapping up this episode now. I'm hopeful that you learned about invasive species and the impact of them. I also hope that you know many examples of invasive species now. If you liked this week's episode, please subscribe to my podcast and stay in tune for the next episode. While you're waiting, you can also check out our blog at genstem.wixsite.com slash genstem. G-E-N-S-T-E-M dot W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com slash G-E-N-S-T-E-M. And if you didn't watch our previous episodes, feel free to go check them out also. In the first episode, we talked about tips for landing remote internships now to ace your next virtual interview. In the second episode, we talked about steps for vaccine development. And in the third episode, we talked about what dark matter and dark energy exactly are. In the fourth episode, we talked about the impact of environmental issues on human health. In the fifth episode, we talked about the good and the bad about CRISPR. And in the sixth episode, we talked about natural selection and the evidence behind it. In the seventh episode, we talked about what exactly biodiversity is. And in our eighth episode, we talked about tips on how to land research opportunities. In our ninth episode, we gave you an introduction to cybersecurity. And finally, in our tenth episode, we gave you an introduction to machine learning. So if any of those episodes interest you, please feel free to go watch them out also. And if there are any topics that you want to be discussed on GenStem, or you have any questions about the podcast, please feel free to email me at genstemblog at gmail.com. G-E-N-S-T-E-M-B-L-O-G at gmail.com. I'm open to any new ideas and I'll try to respond to them as soon as possible. I also started an Instagram account for GenStem just recently, so I would appreciate it if you would support us over there also. I will also be posting all the new updates there so you can be up to date and well informed on what's going on at GenStem. I look forward to talking to you all again next week. And as usual, in the meantime, keep learning and stay curious. <laughs>